Hi, I'm Kendra Rogers, and this is another episode of Paper Napkin, a podcast about connection. Each episode, we connect with someone who themselves is a brilliant connector. And if you've been following along, you know that this very quickly went global. This week, I had the pleasure of connecting with Natasha, who was introduced to me by Catherine DeLaporte in her episode last season, which if you haven't listened to yet, please do. It really is a great one. Natasha Ellis Knight is a marketer living and working in Stockholm, Sweden. Originally from the UK, she has a background in publishing and is also a qualified English teacher. She loves to communicate through writing and photography, and her friends describe her as empathetic and compassionate. For her day job, she works at Netigate, helping businesses form stronger connections with their customers and employees. Natasha and I had a really great conversation in which she shared a lot about the challenges and opportunities of moving to a brand new city and a brand new country, which I could definitely relate to. She'll add a lot of wisdom to your day, but I'll let Catherine make the more formal introduction. So the person that I'm going to recommend to you, Kendra, is somebody called Natasha Ellis Knight, and she is the UK marketing manager for an amazing business to business brand called Netigate. And what they do, they're based in Sweden. They've actually just got a brand new CEO. They are growing at an exponential rate and they offer customers all over the world a SaaS platform to gather customer experience and employee experience insights and they have just the most phenomenal team of amazing human beings who are just a delight to work with. I got to know them through their CMO who invited me to speak at one of their events and over the last few months I have got to know a few different people in the business and they are just always incredibly gracious and have just a very natural way of connecting with people that has integrity absolutely at the core of what they do. Just a really lovely bunch of people, really professional, really know their stuff. And Natasha Ellis Knight, she helped me prepare and put this event together. I think you'll have a really, really interesting conversation with her. She's a Brit living in Sweden and yeah, the company is really, really interesting. So Natasha... Thank you so much for joining me on Paper Napkin. Hello, thank you for having me. Really exciting to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to get to know you over the next little bit because, you know, Catherine speaks so highly of you and because it sounds like you've led quite an interesting life already that is very much full of connection, both personally and professionally. So first question I always ask is what do you do and why do you do it? And I think I'm more curious about the why. Right now, I work in uh, marketing for a company called Netigate. We are a software company and we offer a feedback platform. So for other businesses to collect uh, feedback from their customers and from their own employees. And I haven't always worked in marketing, actually. I started off my kind of career, I guess, in education, teaching 11 to 18 year olds. But I think one thing has led to another and it all makes sense. I've kind of ended up here because I think I was drawn to marketing because I'm so drawn to people. Um, I love getting to the core of people and trying to figure out the best way to communicate with them. And that, that stems from my English degree to the teaching, like I say. And then I ended up in publishing where you're trying to produce um, books for people who have very specific needs and now in marketing. And so I, I love communicating and trying to get to the core of what people want, essentially. So it works quite nicely for me. I love that. And the idea of 
being drawn to people, the idea of connecting with people and the idea of, it sounds to me like netigates very much around allowing for a better understanding of each other. So does that feel like a natural place for you to have landed in, in this somewhat squiggly career you've had? Oh, 100%. I mean, like you say, Netigate is all about kind of feedback and helping people to understand their people. And so it's about helping employers to understand their employees and businesses to understand their customers. And I guess before I started at Netigate, I never really thought about how kind of like symbiotic or mutually dependent those relationships were. I thought maybe this is quite a one-way relationship, you know, you're employed and you you do what they want so that you can keep your job. Uh, you're a customer, you make your purchase, you leave, but it's not like that at all. Um, that kind of two-way communication or the connection between an employee and an employer or a, a business and a customer is so important because it, it helps make things better for both parties, you know. And so when it comes to employee feedback, the employer is benefiting from listening to an employee, for example, because they can then understand how to make that employer employee happier, how to make them more engaged, which in turn is going to make that business uh, more profitable, studies have shown. And then for the customer business relationship or connection, by listening to a customer, that business is going to make them happier. They'll be more loyal. They'll promote the business, you know. So definitely I'm communicating to our customers and I'm helping our clients communicate with, with theirs. It's really nice. It's kind of come full circle for me, I think. <laughs> That's um, I love when people love their jobs. I think it's really exciting and it's a bit refreshing. I feel like there's all of these conversations right now and you touched on it, this idea of the two-way communication and the need for it to be more than just you have a job, so you should be grateful you have a job or that the feeling sometimes of the employer having all of the power. I feel like there's been a big shift recently in people's perspectives of employee-employer relationships. And I think the, the emotional connection piece actually has become much more important than it ever has been before. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously the, the pandemic has kind of accelerated us into the future I think very quickly and it's not just one country or one business it's the, it's the entire world who has experienced actually what what is my relationship with my employer what's my relationship with work actually what's important to me generally so people are reassessing what it means to work and how important it is to them and what they actually want. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes, what's going to happen in terms of people in their free time and, and, and working from home and how our employers going to manage. We, we did a study at Netigate actually about working from home and we found that I, th I think it's 73% of people want more flexibility going forwards. And I think that that is a reflection of what's happening in society. People have realized, actually, I want to spend more time with my loved ones and doing what I want. And my work isn't everything. I love my job. I'm grateful to have my job because so many people lost their jobs during the pandemic. However, there needs to be an understanding now that everyone in the world decided to reassess what's important. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> A bit of a, of a mind shift, I think, has happened, like a mindset shift in the way that we see work, to your point, in the way that we see home. And probably that was also impacted by the fact that we 
many of us were sitting in our living rooms or our spare bedrooms or our bedrooms still, still are in some cases having to allow work into our homes and that barrier disappeared. And so I think it must be quite an interesting position for you to be in because you're in the role that you're in and at the company that you're in, you're able to see that quite transparently, right? And is the culture at Netigate such that this is, they're practicing what they preach? Oh, 100%. I mean, we have to, you can't. <laughs> when you're in the business of employee feedback, you you really have to be in the business and practice as you preach, exactly. So no, exactly. We've done the studies, we've done two studies. It was huge in Sweden, but about working from home, what people want after the pandemic. And now, like you say, I, I'm actually seeing evidence in Netagate, a real concrete kind of actions they're taking to make sure that they are listening to us and what we want kind of moving forward. So for example, we are now having talks about you know, working from home, working flexibly is now a real possibility in Escape. And I say that in the sense that it will happen. So when we all start going back into the office, we'll have discussions with our managers about what works for the team, what works for the individual about working flexibly. And they're really understanding of, um, of us as human beings, I think. And you said earlier that I sound excited about my job. And I think it's, be- it's because I am. I love what I do. Um, but Netigate as an employer, yeah, I've never felt so human at work, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they're really listening to me and have my kind of best interests at heart. In terms of the pandemic, definitely, we are practicing what we preach. And I will be taking them off on the offer to work from home sometimes because I, I do kind of love it. I mean, even after a year and a half. <laughs> It's nice to have the mixture as well, I think, and to have, to to your point, that flexibility makes all the difference. You touched on the fact that, you know, Sweden does things differently. And I'm curious about the fact that you're from the UK, but you're living in Stockholm and what the, what it felt like to make that move, what it felt like, especially to make new connections. I am also an expat and, you know, trying to create new connections in a new city is, is a hard journey. And I'd just love to hear how it went for you? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, that feels like such a big question because it's impacted my life in so many ways. I, I barely know where to begin, I guess. So I moved from the UK to Sweden or Stockholm in 2018. I moved with my partner at the time, you know, and we were very kind of privileged and lucky to be able to assess different countries and think about concrete facts when it came to where we wanted to move to. And we visited places and there was a giant spreadsheet and Sweden looked great on paper and it felt great, you know, in our hearts. But coming here was still a massive culture shock. I mean, you probably experienced this yourself going to the UK. Suddenly you're faced with, I I mean, Sweden isn't a world away from the UK, but it's still different. So people who, uh, I don't know, behave differently to you, have different beliefs, uh, your values may be slightly different, small everyday things. You get a letter, it's in Swedish, you you go to a shop and you don't know how to queue, etc. So it's a a huge culture shock. However, there have been a lot of amazing things. And just to touch back on my job, I guess, is is this whole feeling of just being treated like a person who exists outside of the office and who is a human being who they want to listen to. And that's not to say I haven't had the same thing in, in other jobs, but I definitely feel it very keenly in Netigate. And I suppose... As this has been the one place I've worked since being in Stockholm, maybe I can't speak incredibly generally. However, I have heard that this seems to be the case for many people um, who have come over to Stockholm. They've kind of felt that difference, that kind of being human, being able to have their life outside of work. So making connections, I mean, 
before coming to Stockholm, I, I had heard that it was quite difficult to break into the, the inner circle of people. Um, but I haven't found that at all, honestly. I don't know if it's because, you know, I've come over as an immigrant. I'm maybe a bit more interesting because I'm slightly different. I'm from the UK, different background. I've made more connections in the kind of couple of years I've been in Stockholm than perhaps kind of ever before in my life. And I think, yes, moving here is a big part, but I've had a lot of other significant life events as well that have helped that happen. But yeah, it's been an incredible time, a difficult time, but incredible. If there was one thing that you could tell yourself in 2018 before you made the move, a piece of advice that you could give yourself, what would it be? What would it be? I I just wanna say it will be okay. I was terrified, um, absolutely terrified of moving abroad. And I was terrified for a solid six months, I think. But now I feel like I'm coming out of the other side. I feel like I've kind of persevered and I'm coming out of the other side and I'm really kind of growing into being in a new country. And I'm excited for what's going to happen. So it will be okay, Tash. <laughs> of all of the times to move to a new country, I think during right before a major pandemic and the the things that being far from home, being far from your initial support systems, like you say, it creates a lot of probably friction in your life, right? I don't think things have been easy for many people, but I think that the uprooting of your life and then having to go through something this big is probably adds a, a different element of, of intensity, perhaps to the experience. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I have had to kind of get to know myself again you know like who am I actually I was reading a a Harvard Business Review article about people who live abroad and how it helps you to kind of develop a clearer sense of self and like you say I've kind of had to do that in the context of this global pandemic that's you know ravaging life as we as we know it so yeah it's been exciting and kind of terrifying having to get to know myself and try and remain kind of on track in the middle of all of this in a new country without my family nearby to support me. Yeah, very difficult. And then not knowing when you're going to see them again during the pandemic. There was a long time when I didn't know when I would see them again. And that was really tough. Mm. So I'm so glad that you brought that up, Natasha, because when I started this podcast about connection, I didn't think at all about self-connection, which was very foolish of me in hindsight, because obviously that's such a huge part of creating meaningful connection, I think, is being self-aware and connected to yourself and like really understanding yourself. So I love the fact that you have spent some time in that and in that space and come out the other side, okay, or better than okay, and feeling really good about it. When it comes to self-connection, is there anything that you've learned along the way? Any, any wisdom that you'd share? Um, I just think that it's so important. I, I, that sounds, um, quite trite to know yourself is really important, but no, it actually is. I think I went through a lot of my twenties, very introverted, very self-reliant. And at the same time, not really staring myself in the face, not thinking about who I was or what I wanted. I just kind of powering through, but not having a clear sense of identity. I, I, I think it's important to take that time to nurture a relationship with yourself uh, and think about who you are and what you want. And it's okay if you don't have the answers, but just by kind of confronting your beliefs, by confronting your core values, by looking at what's really challenging you and why you do like you say you kind of have a more stable ground on which to build other connections because I think you 
it's easy to connect to others when you feel kind of secure and comfortable in yourself. And that's something I didn't feel in my 20s. It's only now. And I don't know whether it's Sweden. I don't know whether it's all the other things have hap- that have happened to me since being here. But I, I definitely feel that, that sense of, huh, maybe this is who I am now. And for that reason, I feel like I've made so many connections here, as I said before, than I have at any other point in my life. So get to know yourself. It helps you in every kind of uh, facet of life. The authenticity piece, I guess, as well, is probably something that you're bringing to the table and to other people and people recognize that, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. Once you know yourself, you can present a kind of a clearer image of yourself to others and it leads to a more authentic connection. You know, everyone's comfortable and secure in themselves in that way. I just, it struck me what you said earlier about being treated like a person who exists outside the office and that that felt like a really wonderful position to be in. And I do think that that is becoming more common, but not as common as it should be. I think there's something interesting in there, and this is not a fully formulated thought, so my apologies in advance, but there's something about also the idea of treating yourself like someone who exists as a person outside of an office. You know, I think sometimes, especially in our 20s, we can get quite obsessed with one element of who we are, and sometimes that can be career or, you know, who you are from a professional perspective and perhaps neglect other elements of yourself. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And again, I would say the same thing in my twenties. I was very much my job, you know, what am I achieving at work, um, et cetera, et cetera. And like I say, moving to Sweden has made me kind of look at what I really want, who I actually am, as well as kind of other things. For example, I I had a, a decade plus relationship that ended end of last year. And when you spend that long with someone, you don't really get to know who you are. So a kind of combination of of all of these things happening have kind of forced me to step back and look at what else exists (laughs) for me outside of my job, my relationship. And so now I'm having to kind of push that introvert aside, push her aside, become a bit more extroverted, go out, make connections, do new things. It's it's really hard. It's not easy to, to kind of address the fact that you need to change or you you want to do something differently it's very hard to step outside of your comfort zone is what I'm trying to say but the more I do it um, the easier it becomes and the more kind of rounded and fulfilled I become as a person knowing that I have something outside of my relationship outside of my job I feel so much better for it I'm so happy for you I know we just met but that is wonderful (laughs) I'm, I'm thrilled to hear. I know, I know. I mean, I'm still on the journey. We're not, I mean, it's not a destination, I guess. It's the journey <laughs> that yeah. matters, but it's hard work, but I can, I can feel it paying off. I'm, I'm growing as a person and it's, it's exciting. Yeah. So how do you connect? What does connection look like for you? I mean, like I said, it feels like almost quite a new thing for me to kind of connect I was very shy and I didn't do much reaching out or maybe nurturing of connections so now this kind of new me this new me that's trying to find herself uh, for me connection looks like again stepping outside of my comfort zone and reaching out that is the, the first thing I've realized needs to happen for a connection to take place and I think people that do the reaching out and and start these connections are quite rare in my experience so I am now trying to be that person and so I'm reaching out to people who I find interesting so for example when I first moved to to Sweden I realized ah maybe I'm interested in doing marketing now so I reached out to someone who worked in marketing and that was very difficult for me to say hi I am 
my life is changing and you have a life that I think I would quite like. Could we speak? Could we connect? And um, so doing a lot of that. So connection is being is being brave and it's approaching. It's also, you know, it's this whole idea of being authentic and being human as well for me and not treating it as a transaction. I mentioned I reached out to this uh, marketing person, but I didn't want it to just be, OK, thank you. And that's the end of that. I want it to feel authentic and I want us to keep talking um, and I want to nurture the connection. I think an ongoing non-transactional connection is, is what I would ultimately. So, yeah, and also I did touch on this, but just being human, being able to be yourself and feeling very comfortable with a person. And I found that with everything that's kind of happened with the pandemic, with the relationship, with the moving, I feel like being vulnerable helps you to connect, or at least that's what I found. Uh, the more vulnerable I am, the better the connection seemed to be that kind of appear as a result. It seems like you're doing a good job of the vulnerability. And that is such a huge part of it. And it's, it is vulnerable. It's scary to reach out to someone. When you reached oh. out to the person you mentioned who you said, they have the life that I would, I think I'd like to have. Did you say that to them or how did that, how did that interaction? Well, I can't remember. I mean, I can be a bit of an overshare as so I probably did. <laughs> I, mean, I did, but no, I don't ever use those words, but I did say, you know, I'm really interested in, in what you do. And they were really happy to help me just by being kind of honest. Like I'm here in this new country and to have your help could be incredibly useful to me and, and valuable. And they did, they went out of their way to support me, help me. And I benefited a lot from that connection. So worth doing, despite being very scary. I think there's always the fear that you're going to get a no, but the problem, you always get more yeses than you'll ever get no's, you know, that's, that's the most incredible part about it. When I was moving to the UK, I just started reaching out to random people that I found on LinkedIn and most of them responded and had phone calls with me, which was so kind. And I'm still connected with many of them now, but like that ability to just, to reach out sometimes, I think, I think we almost shoot ourselves in the foot because I think most people are really open to, to being approached and to having those conversations. But I, I think it's really interesting what you said about the fact that there aren't that many people who will reach out and that you want to be one of those people well exactly it's a challenge um but it's definitely worth doing like i say my life has changed quite significantly from the point where i decided right i am going to start making connections and it's improving kind of every uh corner of my life whether it's friends uh, relationships with friends platonic relationships professional relationships I've built so much of. Um, I imagine in romantic relationships, it will help. It's uh, impacting everything to just be brave and reach out because um, you never know what's going to happen. And also, I think it's important to say that you shouldn't hang on to those times when people perhaps don't respond or they don't respond how you want them to. That's okay. Move on to the next connection. It's, it's worth doing. I love that. How do you, how do you stay connected? Because you're in I imagine you have people that you love in many different places. What does, what does it mean to stay connected for you? I think before the pandemic, I would have probably said something like social media, you know, because you can kind of feel like you're in people's lives without really quite being in them properly. And I mean, that still is the case for me. I feel like I can keep up with my family, my friends, etc. But since the pandemic, 
And since, like I said, not knowing when I'm going to physically see my family again, I am making a much more kind of a much bigger effort to keep in contact in other ways, more, less kind of tenuous ways, less peripheral ways. I'm trying to book in video meetings. I'm actively thinking about, okay, when can we meet? You know, when I'm in England, I want to meet you, 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 you. And it's becoming more important to me to kind of set dates and, and see people rather than just kind of passively stay connected I, I don't want to be passive anymore because I, I realize um it's a terrible situation pandemic I mean it, it is but it just made me realize how important my people are to me and again as an ex-introvert I mean I say ex-introvert she's still in there I never would have thought I would say that so in a way I suppose I'm kind of grateful for what happened that it's kind of opened my eyes and made me want to try harder to connect and stay connected because I, I wasn't so good before yeah. So inspiring. So nice to hear. And the idea of the idea of being passive, I think is in direct conflict with the idea of being vulnerable, you know, like they feel like different sides of, of a similar coin, but, but very conflicting in that you can be, you can't be vulnerable and be passive. Mm-hmm. You have to lean into that discomfort and by leaning in, you're being active. You're starting to make a movement and you're starting to, to move in a direction, even if you don't know what it's going to bring you. And that takes a lot of bravery. Exactly. I completely agree. I feel like I've said this 10 times, but it's <laughs> absolutely terrifying when you feel like you're kind of, your world is falling apart. Maybe your whole world has changed. People are dropping out of your life. I, I lost my grandma, who's like a mom to me back in May. And like you say, I just felt so vulnerable, like a kind of open wound. And like you say, I couldn't, rather than just sit with it without reaching out, I did the opposite to kind of what you might expect me to do. I reached out to people. I told them how I was feeling. I asked them to be with me and it made such a huge difference. So yes, yes, hard, but but worth it. I'm, I'm glad it's worked this way. I'm really interested in that. I've, I've gone through some losses recently and I think my response is to, is to just sit with it and, and isolate myself from it. And it's quite interesting because in speaking with my friends, they want to be there, but they don't necessarily know how to sometimes. So to hear you say that you just reached out and said like, will you sit with me? And and ultimately kind of allowed space for yourself, but also allowed space for them to be there with you, right? Because I think sometimes people wanna respect your boundaries, but they don't know what your boundaries are. And they want to, they want to make sure that they're there for you, but they also wanna give you your space. And when you then turn inwards, you don't give yourself the opportunity to, to be supported, even if support might be what you need. No, exactly. And again, in the past, that's what I would have done. But I think I'd already learned by that point, fortunately, that when I'm with people, I feel better. And by sitting with it and sitting with myself and ruminating is perhaps not the most helpful thing. So yeah, just kind of filling my life with people and reminding myself that there are people who care about me, who want to be there for me, even if they don't know how. It kind of, I don't know, it doesn't lessen the loss, it doesn't make it any easier, but it makes you feel like, okay, this person who's very important to me is now gone, but but potentially there are other new connections here and there are existing or old connections that have come back and they they still care about me and it's going to be okay because there are there are people around that that love me and yeah it's going to be okay I feel like that's my motto (laughs) for the past couple of years it's going to be okay Tash (laughs) 
think that's great. I'm sure your grandma's very proud of you and I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Do you think there's anything connection wise that she taught you? Anything she taught you about connection that you'd be willing to share? Mm, My grandma. Yeah. She, she was very kind of selfless, almost a fault. I think Uh, she gave a lot of herself to other people. And I think I'm very much like that. I always want to make people happy, maybe a bit of a people pleaser, maybe also to a fault. (laughs) But I'm always in tune with what other people need. And I feel like, or I hope that people like that about me. I feel like I'm very empathetic. I'm always thinking about how I can make other people's experiences better when I'm around them. I'm very conscious of how they're feeling and what they need. And my grandma was very much like that. She made me feel very loved and secure. So, you know, not having her there anymore, it's this whole thing of, again, coming back to this relationship with yourself, with myself, I now need to kind of learn how to be secure with myself, by myself. So she's taught me many, many things. And now I need to continue those lessons, you know, by myself and and with the help of others. Yeah. And with her, right? She's she's yeah, still with you exactly, well. exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I, yeah. I I appreciate that, and and you've inspired me. I think when I get off of this conversation, to reach out to some of my friends because you, it is you. We need to get better at naming it and then opening the space. I think, and it's not the person who's grieving's job to to hold, to ask, but by the same token, if you don't ask, sometimes you don't get, I think that we, that the vulnerability piece that goes in on each side is so important and and so impactful when someone shares that and is open about it, it means a lot. So. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, I think people don't always know what to do or how to approach someone. If you can take that step yourself to reach out for help, most people would be happy to be there with you it's been my experience yeah that's such great advice that one of the questions that I always ask is what's one piece of advice that you pass on to others but you've you've given us quite a few I love the idea of reaching out to others I think that that is so simple but so profound so profound and so 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 difficult it's so hard especially like you said, I keep coming back to the introvert extrovert thing and maybe being just shy generally. It is so, so difficult, but I promise once you try it a couple of times and again, you will get knockbacks and sometimes, sometimes people for whatever reason, it may be, it's probably nothing to do with you, may not get back in touch, but more often than not, they will. And you'll be so glad that you made the step to, to reach out because I think people want to be connected, but I think so many of us struggle with knowing how to do it or how to begin a connection. Mm-hmm. The introvert extrovert tension is interesting because it's another one of those things that when I started making this podcast, it wasn't a question that I thought I'd ask, but everyone brings up whether they are introvert or extrovert. It, it is obviously a way that we like to label ourselves. And it, yeah. you mentioned the fact that you prefer that you think that you're an introvert, but you're trying to be more extroverted, but you also said that you get energy from being around other people, which is mm-hmm. the definition of an extrovert. I know it's so I mean I think actually let's throw ambiverts into the mix (laughs) somewhere in the middle but yeah no I think I feel like they've become really popular um labels probably since um Susan Cain I think it was wrote Quiet back in 2012 huge book about 
kind of the quiet power of the introvert. And I mean, someone will stop me if I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, that book really kind of brought these labels back to the forefront. And it's just an easy way for people, I think, to talk about themselves, you know, it kind of sums things up kind of nicely if we look at it in simple terms. But anyway, I forget your question <laughs> because I started rambling about Susan's book, which is amazing. <laughs> It sounds like actually, while we're on the topic of books, another book that I was going to, you've probably read it already, but have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? No, I haven't actually. You must read it. And then when you do, you must call me and we can discuss it. It, It'll be a perfect one for where you are in your life right now. I I don't say that lightly, but I really think it'll be a good one for you. It sounds like it. I can tell from the title. I mean, this sums me up. <laughs> Slightly untamed, but we're putting it together. Uh, we're doing amazing things in the midst of it. <laughs> you want to be untamed. Untamed is good, right? Being tame is not right. anything it's, interesting. <laughs> you're right. I completely agree. I take it all back. <laughs> I'm curious. We talked about the idea of, of what of the fact that businesses are evolving, life is evolving. We've gone very virtual. What do you think connection will look like in, say, five years' time? It depends on what happens. Like I say, we've been accelerated into the future of work, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's now talking about working from home and flexible as the new normal. And I'll just be so interested to see if that is still the case in the future. And if it is, how we're going to deal with the, I don't know, the the split between the people who are working more digitally and those who are in the office and how employers manage that kind of connection because I suppose the fear there is will the people who aren't in the office who are working more digitally are they going to feel like they're missing out on something whether it's opportunities or connections with their colleagues and how are we going to overcome that so I mean I don't have answers necessarily but I'm curious to see what happens because I think such a kind of massive explosive change has happened now and I'm not sure where it's going to go actually Mm. do you think that you and and the work that you're doing will be a part of that explosive change? Does it feel like you're on that trajectory to, to something pretty impactful? I definitely think it does. I mean, like I say, when it when the pandemic was kind of first kicking off, we did the study. So we were keen to kind of use our platform to go out and survey people about what they were thinking about working from home during the pandemic, whether they were thriving. And then we did a second study Now we're looking at maybe the light at the end of the tunnel. What do you want now? Okay, you still want to work from home. And now the next thing is going to be the Netgate platform being used for employers to talk to their employees. So it's going to be really important for us and our kind of internal experts to think about what kind of questions do employers need to ask? What do they need to know in order to make the future of work? Uh, more successful for them as an employer and their employees. I think we're in a kind of perfect place to kind of help lead these discussions and make things work for everybody, hopefully. The idea of asking questions is really interesting there as well. It's not what what, what statement does an employer need to make or what do employers have to do? It's sort of what questions do we need to start asking? And I think there's been a shift recently towards questions as having value I think for a while there it felt like like everyone had to know for sure and there had to be a statement and it feels like we're moving towards a place where people are more comfortable asking questions more comfortable admitting that they don't know yet and that there are unknowns and that feels like a really exciting place for for connection for work for the world at large 
It is really exciting. And that's why I like my job so much. It's just acknowledging the fact that you can't, people don't like being told what to do. That doesn't really work for anyone. I use the word symbiotic kind of mutually dependent relationships before, because if an employer isn't listening to their employee, they they have no idea what they want, really, what's going to make them happy. And in turn, that's going to hurt the business. Same for customers and businesses. People are, are learning now that if you don't listen to the people who you kind of rely on, then they, they can go elsewhere. We're a global kind of marketplace now. You know, there are lots of options. And especially if we're working from home, employers really need to make sure that they're holding on to their talent. And the only way to do that is if they know what their talent actually want, not what they think they want. So yeah. Wow, so many, so many great bits to talk to touch on. And I feel like we could talk for much longer. And I hope we do another time soon. I always love these conversations. I feel like this one's especially important. And I hope that you also listen back on it in a couple of years because it sounds like you've got so many different things happening. You've got so much to be proud of for where you've come. You've offered us a lot of really great wisdom, I think, that that people will connect with. But I, I'd love to know how you connect back to who you are right now when you're a little bit further on this brilliant journey that, that you're doing. And I think you should be really proud of yourself because it sounds like you're doing a lot of good work. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to speak with you and I I really appreciate the opportunity and I will be interested to listen back. I wonder what Tash in five years will think. I'm not sure, (laughs) but hopefully it's, uh, it's all good in the future. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to be a part of our growing community. It honestly makes me so excited to know that other people are listening and enjoying these conversations as much as I am. If you have a moment, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts really helps us to get in front of more people and I'd be forever grateful either way until next time be kind